Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Join us on our journey into the past, the present, and the future as we explore the relationship between technology and humanity. Together, we're going to find out what it means to live in a society where everything is connected and the only constant is change. Knowledge is power. Now more than ever. Marco, what do you think? I, I know some folks have to leave early. I don't want to keep Scott on waiting. Nothing. So maybe we just dig in. Chris comes back. Cody gets on when he does. It's a free for all. Did you guys like take a pause or something or what? No, we started at the top. We just haven't started. Took, took a nap. Hola. Took a, it took a nap of two minutes between the one podcast and this. Didn't work. So, uh, all right. The idea here is as we go through, we're getting through the, in the new year, apart from doing the holiday episode, we wanted to do something a little festive and fun with this. And so we, we had the idea of exploring that the vintage of today was the novelty of yesterday. So gadgets and technology from the 60s, the, well, not, maybe not the 60s, but 70s, 80s. And 90s, they could touch on uh, early modem, uh, computers, Walkman, and uh, fun stuff. And the idea is to then ask the question eventually, are kids today, in 30 years from now, or 40 years from now, are going to look back at the, the iPhone 12 and be like, damn, vintage? Or are we at a point where are we going to invent new gadgets? Are we going to invent new new novelty? that uh, uh, there you go or like you know the nintendo the game boy or uh, whatever you guys have in your mind of memories of maybe when we were teenagers or kids that was like the novelties of the days ipods yeah. 20 gig that's the 20 gig one so god knows what series that is that's 160 gig one i have a youtube yeah. version that's black and red somewhere in a drawer nice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so the values of exchange of yesterday's gadgets, what's the value today? Exactly. exactly. I mean, maybe when you were a kid, they would have, you know, done something really, really uh, on the borderline of legal to get your hands on the newest gadget. Oh, yeah. and, uh, and back then, I don't want to date anybody here, of course, because, you know, we, yeah, well, why would we know how cool was a Walkman when it came out or anything like that, right? Exactly. So yeah, let's uh, let's talk about that. And yeah, and um, let's start with computer. that, Chris. That was my so, first computer. So this your first. Tell us about that, was, that a little. Yeah. That was my first computer, ZX eighty one. Too blurry to see it, but that's what that is. Jeez. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was the first computer I started fucking around on. I was at boarding school. I was ten years, nine years old, ten years old at boarding school. And that was the first system I got into trouble with. I don't know if I'm old, as old or whatever, older or whatever, but mine was a, a Wang with an orange monitor. I remember, oh. I always remember orange writing a, yeah, uh, about this big. And uh, man, it was, uh, I didn't understand what I had to do, but my mom used to write down um, commands for me and, and, and stuff and I would do them. And 
hit enter and watch what came back. I'm like, I did that. You know, <laughs> used to blow my mind. I was pretty little at the time. <laughs> well, Scott, yeah. you'll appreciate this. I had a, a VTech and it was programmable and it, it was mostly for games, but it had a programming feature and you could program music. Funny enough. So that's what I use it for. Yeah. Did certain that's commands and it would, it would make sounds and music and stuff. It was kind of fun. So I helped build the Heath kit. And then I think it was CPM was what was that was running. And then a TRS-80. I had like an old, I got to use my phone. So I had an old modem coupler. So you actually dial in <laughs> on your phone and then you like jam it into the modem mm -hmm. coupler. Connect to like DAX, PB 10s and 11s. I, I have seen movies with that. Yeah. Most kids yeah, don't like... know about that, Dan, unless they've seen hackers and then maybe they do. <laughs> I had mine confiscated. Mine got taken away by the police. <laughs> oh, we're not going to go in detail. <laughs> maybe that will be in another episode. Yeah, maybe. We're supposed to focus on toys, not hacker tools, or is that the same thing? <laughs> right. The more, did you have a, you have a, an early computer? I did, but you know how early really was it? I was twelve. Uh, I was nineteen eighty-eight, and uh, it wasn't that early, you know. Like, uh, but what what I did do is I said, you know, I got to learn this DOS system, and I started teaching myself, and that was really cool. So that's my earliest experience with it. So I know that we have a, a probably the less technical person here, and and I was spending more time, I guess, when I was a kid with the with music stuff like uh, stereo system and equalizer for me that was the technology hey cody hey on? how's it going welcome. welcome we're talking about uh early technology or the stuff that we liked back then so we'll we'll get you in it so the passion may be about computers in your case but as kids it was probably not just that so what was like the fun thing that the the thing that blow your mind maybe as a as a piece of technology like this is the future, Scott. Oh well, well I didn't know if Cody had an early computer story too that we wanted to oh, ask. Yeah. We I can. My no, I don't want to hear Cody's story. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of early stories are we telling here? <laughs> your first did, computer or your you first uh, technology? First computer. Mm. Well, it was one of two things. I'll, I'll go with the one that's true because I even the, so I had a, a a Commodore VIC twenty, but I used that after this other one. It was a uh, it was an Epson. I don't know what 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 the thing was. It was something my dad bought for like word processing, and it ran Valdocs, which was I think the <laughs> the document uh, word processing whatever. And I, the first thing I ever did was playing with it was uh, doing pie charts. That was the only graphics that it had on it because it was just green text on a black screen, but you could do a green pie charts. And I thought, oh, that's so cool being able to, to make uh, circles <laughs> and pull out <laughs> wedges of that. So anyway, that's my first real uh, experience. And then uh, and then I had the VIC-20. Um, you know, you could play video games and code in basic on it. So anyway, there you go. <laughs> like, that brings back a really good thing. Do you guys, or how many of you remember installing WYSIWYG into like Lotus Notes and so and you took this this box standard freaking sheet and all of a sudden amazing things started to actually happen that was definitely one of those turning points when you go from like uh-oh to woohoo yeah and <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
when it when it wasn't just letters on a black screen but actually you started viewing things like yeah. it's just stimulating another area of your of your head so going in another area of your head scott tell me the oh. the walkman story because i'm all right so we all like our walkman right and um and we all have different ones and uh the first one i had was when i lived in the caribbean uh, in the dominican republic in the mid late 80s um and i was the first and only kid on that island i swear to god with a walkman and you would walk down the streets and nobody knew what i was doing they didn't even know what why what is the wire <laughs> that even that was mind-blowing right uh, and then if i put an earbud in somebody's ear and they could hear uh well first of all every time i took it to school i couldn't go anywhere without somebody else wanting the other earbud so here i was you know walking around the campus anyway i was a soccer player at the time too and i went through a kind of a destructive phase that we kind of all go through as hackers where you're trying to break everything and see if it still holds up or if you can make it better so for some reason um, I, I started figuring out that the, the boots I used to wear, which are Doc Martens, that I could hacky sack my sports Walkman because it would hold up. And so we would get into hacky sack circles and kick my Walkman around through the air. And the rule was don't let it touch the ground. And if it does, we're done. It always touched the ground. And that thing held up <laughs> for at least a year and a half before every part on it that had broke, like the cover was off, the little rubber gasket thing was off, all that stuff was broken. But for some reason, I, I don't know why I didn't appreciate my Walkman enough to, to not hacky sack with it, but it's because I always <laughs> had it with me. And it was like a, a cool trick, bro, a hack circle. Anyway, and then when you're done, you could like put on your headphones and walk out like you're super cool. You know what I mean? Like it was a- uh, oh, It's funny. A lot of, lot of trust in your friends that they're a good hacky sack players. Did you, well, have I mean, the, did you have that big one? Because I remember going, I remember in the UK, you, you'd walk into the shop and they had them like placed strategically around. They looked amazing, but they also had these freaking robust ones. There was this big yellow one that had like all the, the gray, the gray with the gray big. Yeah, yeah. yeah, That that was the sport version, I think. Yeah. It was more durable. That's that's probably yeah. why you should have two, used two to flavors keep it around. Regular well, sport. So it had a so to close it, like you know, in the same area, like in the late nineties, you could buy these really sexy thin ones that were like aluminum, and the cassette yeah. was freshly hanging out. That's why I had. Those yeah. sounded really good. You remember those? Yeah. This was not that. I mean, this one you'd actually have to kind of put your foot on it to pry the latch open to get to get the latch open. <laughs> you know what I mean? Break fingernails trying to get it under there. Yeah, that was that's my Rockman story, and I, I love that thing. Somewhere I ha I bought like ten years ago. I rebought the same model. I found it on eBay, um, and every time I see it, I'm like. Hmm. <laughs> Do you remember going from? Because I remember going from the Walkman to the Walkman CD. And uh, I remember going back to tape for a while because, yeah. you know, you, because I, I used to wherever I used to, I, I didn't drive before I went in the military, I didn't drive. So I would, I was always on the bus. So I take the bus. So that little thin silver one was the one I had. So I put that in my pack and off I go, then you buy the CD and you were able to do the same thing, but the mm -hmm. stupid thing would move so much. They, the other ones have this whole anti twisty shit. I remember going oh, back to tape for quite a while before they got all the and all that kind of crazy stuff, the head, the head management and all that worked out. So you remind me of one memory. So I, I also in the Caribbean, uh, we, you know, we had a lot more money compared to most folks there. My dad was a naval attache for the embassy, but I would play soccer in the streets with folks just a, a few blocks down and we literally play kick the can. And these are the folks that like when we get heavy rains, they would lose family members in, in the river that was only a mile and a half away. Um, so. I used to bring them into the house just as friends. I wasn't supposed to or whatever, but I did. 
so we'd go to the pool and all this stuff. But anyway, my father got the first CD player in the Caribbean. Has given him to uh, given to him as a gift. And I went in there with my, my friend Ricardo, and we sat down on the couch, and I hit it on. I bring tears to my eyes. We could not believe the the sound clarity. It, it was like a hologram to us. It was yeah. like, how, how is this this sound possible? Like we were looking behind the speakers. Like what yeah. what is how is this possible? I remember I I forgot that memory until you you mentioned the CD thing. I'm glad you brought that up because as audiophile, somebody else said they were audiophile too. It's like the search for the sound was enough for us. Yep, still is. Big stereo setups. You'd go over to the boombox. Yeah. Oh, oh no, the, the one in the house. Not just the boombox, but yeah, like that. You'd go in and there'd be there'd be two big stereos, and they were up on their own pedestals. Yeah. Like you had to like work. I, I had speakers <laughs> bigger than than my dogs. Yeah. I still have speakers bigger than my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and you have big dogs. I have big Maybe dogs. Maybe people don't know that, but they're, they're, we're talking about Great Dane. So those are big speakers. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one will appear at some point. But, uh, in my yeah. defense, in my defense, they're actually Infinity reference speakers from the 80s. So yeah, I got a really nice pair of those. And they're actually powered by, um, I've got monoblocks. So, but they're Adcom monoblocks from the was, 90s. So I don't, I'm not into the new, new stuff. I love, and they're, it's all, 100% completely rebuilt. So those adcoms, new boards, new caps, new everything in them, the infinities, new foam, new yeah, you want to talk about search for the sound. I love like that just yeah. You have vinyl records is the question. So I have not gone that route. I I I don't have the patience. As daft as it sounds after doing all that, I actually don't have the patience. What I have, and I'll confess to this one, is I've actually I run I run uh, audio software. I actually run iTunes. I also run Cubuzz, which is another audio streaming, high quality audio streaming system. But I run it through the computer. I run it through the computer. I have a DAC converter that then goes straight into the monoblocks, and then the monoblocks straight out to the speakers. I I send this to the first person. This is oh, oh we can't see it because you're is that. In my plane of field, that's a it's a record. Oh my god, this is yeah. Your um, your background. It's so virtual. Yeah. So anyway, this is uh one of my records. I'm gonna send this to the first person right now who can tell me that other than Chris, who can tell me the name of their favorite amp and speaker combination uh, hi-fi style. <laughs> <laughs> first of all, one. you had to send me a vinyl last year and you didn't, so you owe me one. I do. I didn't send that to you. <laughs> Oh, we went back and forth a bunch yeah. of times. Yeah, I just want, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's cool. I'm just I giving you a hard time. I, I just oh. giving you a hard time. All right, we want to talk records. I know. <laughs> no, who can tell me their favorite amp speaker combo as a high as an audio file? Brand. <sighs> just brands. I used to love Technics when I was a kid. That's what I was going to say. Acoustic research. Oh, um, AR. Heck yeah. That was a, a tech. That was a step up from Technics. Yeah. yeah. AR. Okay. Cody? Rockford Fosgate in the back of the minivan. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many of you remember? So this is the original Blade Runner. I've also got the original Star Wars. But I'm, I'm, uh, I'm Laserdisc. Uh, oh, nice. Ah, the Laserdisc. Oh, one of the, nice. one of the technology that didn't really... Just, just <laughs> yeah. I, I have a few picture discs. Betamax uh, versus image. VHS. We'll just go there. I have the synthesizer used for that that soundtrack. Oh, no shit. Yeah, MKS80. 
I was going to say the synthesizer, that was, I mean, you think about the music in the 80s. I remember, you know, people were just so thrilled in late 70s, early 80s at synthesizers and being able, you know, the the first time you could like do a keyboard that was all cats meowing or all, you know, (laughs) cans or something, you could play the keyboard. And it was amazing. A friend of mine, he's, he's still a musician, Stephen Merritt, he's the magnetic fields. But he just like it just changed the kind of music he started creating at that point was amazing because of the technology. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, let, let's talk about some other. Sean, you have some idea? Yeah. Well, I, I have a, I have a story. Very very rare that I have a story. But as I was a teenager, I would ride my bike to school every day, and and I don't know. I I had I wasn't I didn't have a lot of stuff as a kid. Um, but what I did have, I had found that I would trade for the stuff that I want. So I'd get a gift may not be what I wanted. So I'd find somebody at school had something I want. We trade. Scott, he had everything. <laughs> so I, I ended up with this Casio watch, this electronic watch that had a uh, Pac-Man game on it. And I love that watch. I used to get busted for playing in, in class and stuff, but I couldn't wait to get out of class and start playing this pac-man game on my watch and i started riding my bike home one day playing the game oh that's gonna go so well (laughs) right into the back of a (laughs) semi-trailer so uh yeah yeah wait wait did did the watch broke or the watch broke unfortunately damn it yeah my heart my heart broke with it but, uh, those are um they, they, some of those are collectible it's amazing you look at these days or they've casio with their g-shock stuff has reissued a whole bunch of those ones yeah. really and i've got a couple of the, like the old calculator ones that's the one my thing. dad used to have you, the left you, so you only needed two thumbs because all the keys on the left side were one input <laughs> and all the keys on the right were the other so you could like play the little dot game oh my god yeah. that, that was the original uh the original apple watch Right. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, it was like, it was the shape crazy. anyway. Well, it, it, it was when you could yeah. see a watch to be more than just telling you the time. Yeah, yeah that's true. Right. I actually have a funny story about that one too because that watch really brings memories to me. My dad ended up buying one of those for himself, um, and he got like a really fancy one, and I had no idea about that. Right. Um, and he left it in the living room, and I'd go to sleep at night, and the watch would make sounds or whatever. And I was convinced there was a robot in the living room. Now, my imagination was just running wild. I was scared to go and check on the robot. But I was convinced there was a robot because of this watch. Until one day I went and I saw that it was a watch. And I took it and uh, I asked my dad if I can you know, play with it. And my God, that, that watch was, it's exactly what you're just saying, that a watch is not just for telling you the time, like a bunch of stuff we could do with it. It had the calculator and has games and has all these other things. So it was definitely a, a gadget for all, you know. Well, and you me. had the sci-fi uh, movies and, and books where, you know, there's people talking in a watch. And, uh, you know. Right. Yeah. With the, we're calling their car to come. And uh-huh. now they can actually do it. Yeah. It was the sound that it made just a high-pitched beep, beep every hour. No, no, it was a little more than that. It had like oh. melodies and stuff. I don't know. It was interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. My dad always oh, yeah. had, I had one watch that had, had melodies for alarms and things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what other hobbies do we have here? Like photography, like they used to be like the Polaroid, the instant cameras and the first mobile phones or, well, not even mobile phones. But Diana, we have a really nice phone in the back there. 
Yeah. Yeah. Anybody with a with a uh, with a passion for photography, maybe that has some stories about that. But the old film. No, dabbled. Yeah. I mean, that was it. Yeah. I think, you know, we probably all all of us probably dabbled the one way shape. I remember at school going into the the lab and learning how to wash and hang up and all that stuff. Yeah. But I never got into it. I had a couple of Polaroids over the years, but it's one of those things. I even tried. I even tried with the really nice lenses and all this other kind of crazy ones with some cameras years and years ago, and I just couldn't get into it. Now, with just the ease and simplicity of you know holding this thing up and going, "Hey!" and two seconds later, you get kind of an amazing picture. It's just made it so. To me, it's made it easier and more accessible and way less hassle. To others, I think it's probably taken it away and all those other things. But for some of us who were never really into that, it definitely has made it a lot, a lot more accessible for us. Well, and it's interesting how things, you know, cycle through and they get old mm -hmm. again. You know, like, so my grandfather was, a, he wanted to be a cinematographer. Um, he went, when he was drafted, they put down that he was a stenographer. So he never had to see battle, I think, as the story goes. But when he got out of <laughs> the, the uh, he worked for Kodak and he was selling how to do home movies. So I think this is around like the fifties. He's, you know, he would go around the country and sell home movies. And then we had a whole bunch of these home movies and it's, how do you transfer it? Where were we transferring it? We wanted to get it on VHS because that was so modern. And I remember being so excited. We could actually, you know, actually record people and we didn't have to have all this big equipment that my grandpa had, you know, we could just record people and isn't this fabulous. And the other day I was cleaning out some stuff and I found a bunch of old VHS tapes and I'm like, which had been so modern. And there's you know, my best friend's barbecue, you know, Janet's barbecue. <laughs> I was just thinking, how am I even gonna, I don't know if I could watch these, can I transfer them? And then, and if I put them on a CD, that's not gonna help. It's gotta be ripped to MP4, I'm not gonna be able. So it's just weird how we get, how VHS felt so like, life-changing at the time and now it's like the dustbin basically i don't even know how to watch them what do you mean vhs man i only had a betamax okay. you went you went that yep. route how did that we go? went the beta yep dad went the betamax route too just <laughs> short-lived yeah yep we we followed the wrong path <laughs> so cody did i don't know or anybody else but cody being in the business world were there any business device i remember I don't know if remember the the Franklin Clever you transitioned from the, the big stack book of managing your daily activities to the the little PDA device and then the, like the Apple Newton. Anybody remember the Apple Newton? Yeah. Any, anything like mm -hmm. that? What do you think, Cody? Anything anything fun there? Well, yeah. So I mean, we we shifted from Outlook to Gmail, and that was quite. Was <laughs> 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 no, um... so that uh, you're on your way to Lotus Notes? Yep, yep, yep. On our way to Lotus Notes. No, I, I don't know. I, uh, it, it's, it's interesting hearing um, some of these, uh, some of these um, projects though that, that some of you have done. I, like the uh, going back to the film, I, I had a dark room in, uh, in my high school, and and they've converted it now to a computer lab for uh, photography and video editing because you know back then there was no. I think we had Avid systems to do a little video editing, but it wasn't that big of a deal, but they had to have all the space for photography. That's totally unnecessary. Now I remember, you know, it had one of those um, cylindrical doors that you, that was all um, black and you'd stand in it and you have to spin it around. It looked kind of like, uh, you know, if you're beaming up on the Starship enterprise or whatever, we'd pretend to do that kind of thing in there. And then, you know, it was totally black inside of the room. 
but but I, anyway, it just kind of makes me think about the the space differences, you know, and the, that are needed with uh, as technology advances, all all of this infrastructure that was built to support it, and now it's unnecessary. And so, what do you do with the space um, that that was there now? So, like in the business world, I guess the, the thing related to that that I would say is when I started, we had paper records all over the place. Um, so my one of my first jobs was in a network of um, doctors' offices and hospitals, and they had paper um, charts. They had entire floors devoted to rows and rows of shelves of paper charts and all this. And my one of my jobs was to get rid of all of it and convert it all over to an electronic medical record system. And so now all of a sudden, there was all this empty space <laughs> in the middle of the floor, and there were all these people that had had jobs, um, and their job was to pull charts and, and put them back up, and, and now they were they were gone. Um, and there was no need for that anymore. And so it was interesting trying to uh, find places to pivot, uh, you know, the, the human resources, but then also the, um, the space resources to, to finding other things to do with all this floor space that they, when they built the building, they'd done that intentionally so that they could fit paper charts in there. And now they didn't, they didn't need it. And we've got the same issue in my law firm. Uh, the floor that I'm on still has a ton of um, paper files that are all right now being converted to, um, to electronic files and so we're gonna we're gonna be going through the same uh sort of thing the story at my firm i'm not sure if this is true but the floor that i'm on supposedly the reason all the paper charts are on my floor is because it has a reinforced floor that none of the other floors have so it can support all the extra weight <laughs> from all this um all these paper charts that are there uh that you know, it's just that that kind of stuff. I mean, there, there's a lot, a lot of infrastructure and a lot of uh, engineering that that got that went into supporting this stuff that's now um, not necessary. So anyway, that's just sort of what I'm thinking about as you guys are talking. Well, you can apply that to computer too. I mean, think about the the IBM computers that needed rooms that they needed to knock down doors. There are stories that they they couldn't fit it in there, and oh. uh, and now we're you know we got computers that. 13 inches is way too big for my desk. So I'm going to go back. Uh, I'm going to tell a little story, and it's about, it's kind of leading from the size thing. So my early days in, in tech were with with a landscape construction company, and and it was a, a weird, weird time where they knew they had to go digital, but there was just a crap ton of people out in the field that couldn't go digital. So all of the, all the, uh, architect designs and, and draftings and everything were all on physical paper, like big, huge sheets, right? Say, this is where the landscape, is, is, uh, the trees go and all the grass grows and all the headers go and all this stuff, right? And, but they knew they, they couldn't manage all of that with physical paper forever. So we had these huge CAD tables where we'd bring in these huge, gigantic papers of, of uh, landscape drawings and we would take those and manually <laughs> translate all that data into a digital file that we could then use to run the project with. And so it was this big CAD table with a wired pen that we would outline all the grass area and count all the trees and everything. And it, it was pretty cool for the time, but obviously the ultimate goal was they'd have no, no paper. The point is gigantic table, gigantic paper, everything's small now. And I don't, to bring it, and even further back and, and playing on the miniature thing. To, I don't know if anybody has kids or nephews or nieces that had the little digital pets, the Tamaguchis or whatever they, they were called. Do you remember those things where you had to, you had to feed it and keep yeah, it alive? And... I had yeah. one. 
Yeah. You had one as well? Yeah. I killed a few. Yeah. We had one. Yeah. (laughs) We didn't have nieces and nephews. We had them ourselves. Anything else like that? I think there is a version of that now on uh, as a as a video game or it's something you can bring in your phone and you do the same thing. You have right. to feed it. You have to do all the things and yeah. it's probably going to turn into a hologram really soon and, uh, and virtual <laughs> reality and stuff. So what, what I like to do is to kind of run uh, the, this perception that we had about technology back then when, I mean, everything that is new is some, somehow magic. Right, you you don't know how it works, and then eventually you become a hawker and you break it apart and you figure it out. But, but as a kid, I you know like I'm just thinking, you know, just the music coming out of the radio, which has been around since you know the the the, ni- the early 1900 and the late 1800, it was still magical. I mean, when you experience something the first the first time, and you can talk about TV. I mean, I re- I remember watching the TV going from black and white to color. I mean, how cool was that? I, I'm just th- kind of wondering, like, you know, the things that we we give for granted nowadays, we need to look back when they, they were not. I mean, take the speed of the internet right now, the connection, the bandwidth. Yeah. I mean, the old dial-up modem, who, who hasn't told their mom to not get the phone or make a phone call while I was connected and try to download an email that would take 20 minutes. Well, I mean, we're, we're in it. When you think about it, the fact that there's what seven of us on a conference call, all able to visually see, talk, listen to each other without hidden sets being, you know, I mean, to Diane, you know, Diane sitting there with a telephone, I might go grab mine in a second um, uh, for the same reason, because I mean, you think about going back to those times, even the early days of the cell phones. I mean, you were lucky if the call finished, if it was local, if it was international, good luck on the darn thing. You went through four or five oh, of them. True. You could definitely talk to one person. Conference call? What the heck is a conference call? Good grief alive. You've yeah. seen, you know, and we've gone from that. We've got communication. Just simple communication has now gotten to such a point that we can get people from all across the country, all across the world, into one place like that. And, and we don't think about it. We just, we don't give a consideration to how the hell this works. How is this data doing what the hell this data is doing? How am I able to see Diane? How am I able to see you guys effectively? And the amount of tech that it takes for this to happen. So the, the thing that I remember, like this moment that I thought like, oh, now I'm really like, this is amazing. This is like the coolest moment in my life was that I had a Palm Pilot. And Palm Pilots were great, but they didn't connect to anything. But they came out with a modem attachment. Yes. And you kind of like coupled it right on the bottom. And and I got it right before I went to Las Vegas for the first Black Hat conference. You were the coolest person. First Black Hat with all the cool Black Hat people. Right. And I went back to my hotel room after everybody was talking and I coupled my modem on and I plugged it into the, the, you know, to the RJ 11 in the hotel room and I could get my mail. And I was like, (laughs) like, I thought it was the liberated, liberated, like, right. Like, yeah. It wasn't that long ago. It was like, I don't know, 99 or something. So, so my dad tells a story with five North Koreans and the look on their face when they thought they saw reality when it really was magic. So fake news. So I think it's 1980, uh, uh, 1981 or, or 80 or 79 or something like this. 
And my dad was in Korea. I was living in Korea too. And my dad used to go to the DMZ where they'd sit the South and the North Koreans across the dividing line and the table. And he ran point on a bunch of stuff. But one of the things he did one time when they went at, right when the both sides were almost their closest, best relations during his tour, for Christmas, he showed them a preview, just the trailer of Star Wars. He put it on a little TV and the room, you know, the Western side was like, this is amazing. The, the North Korean side did not stay a word. Their faces were turning white. One guy grabbed the other guy's knee, which body language wise, North Korea, you would never do as a soldier ever. They thought that the reason we were showing this was to tell them the technology that we had already built. And it was a negotiation tactic from the get go. Yeah. That's what they thought. And we had destroyers in space with like lasers and X-wing fighters. Like it literally blew their minds because they'd never seen, they were not allowed to see media or, or movies at all. Only propaganda movies which were only news of the leader. Oh my God. Black and white. This was a color trailer, like Technicolor or whatever, you know. They didn't even believe that it wasn't real. They didn't believe that it wasn't real. Not, you would think that they wouldn't believe it was real, but they, thought it, they couldn't believe that it wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, but the, the special effects in the original Star Wars weren't really that great, too, so. Well, yeah. but they were great for the time. Like, I mean, cool. look, okay. I, I, I go back and look at 80s movies. Uh, not too long ago, I watched E.T. And I'm like, I have to put myself into that mindset of when that movie was made. So with what was available, sometimes I do that when I read a book too. I mean, if you read a classic book from, you know, the 1800, the language and the description of things, I mean, you really have to put yourself into, into yeah. that. So, I mean, the, 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 the Scott story is you could sell magic if you go, go back in time or go to a tribe where time stopped. I'm not comparing North Korea with that, but um, the idea <laughs> is that you know you could sell magic for for real pretty pretty easily. Medicaid Yankee in King Arthur's Court. Yeah. So here's Good the other stuff. one. It's interesting where we've gone from tech, <clears throat> we've gone away from it, and now we're going back to this. So back to the audio conversation that we were having. You know, you look at the early days of audio. We talked about it very for a second ago. We talked about the early radios, the beautiful tubes. The tube radios, and then everybody went to the boom boxes, the digital boxes, the streaming TV, and the streaming audio, and all that shit. Yeah, there's still so many people who go actively out there. I'm one of them that goes out there looking for the tubes to put into an audio stream to bring that warmth and love back into it. Yeah. And to me, it's interesting how we 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 turned our back to some degree on some of this technology. We turned our back on it, and then we came back to it because we realized what we were missing. It just I, made I, me I think that I have, I have a show and tell, too. This is a oh, 1943 radio. Beautiful. With a tube and everything. It's freaking tubes. Yeah. Love it. You can't hear much in LA because it's only AM. So. Yeah. <laughs> but just when you turn on and slightly start the mm. lighting, it takes, it's oh, just magic. You know, yeah. it's, it's just magic. Uh, I was going to go get it and show you guys, but I can't because it's too precious and I have too much plugged into it right now for a patch. <laughs> it's a synthesizer from Russia and it's, it's about this big. It's hand built and it's got 12 tubes along the top. Oh. I think there's 12. And he ships the tubes, each one wrapped up. They're all oh. like new old stock, the best of the Russian tubes. Yes. And it's a synthesizer, full on synthesizer. There's oscillator, the filter, the envelope, 
the output VCA at the end, all of it is tube. And it sounds like nothing else in 20 years of producing music I've ever, and I'm addicted to it. Nothing else gets any attention. That's not why, that's why I'm not going to bring it up here. It's because it's got, I've yeah. got my whole studio centered around it as a heartbeat. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dudes are unreal, man. Yeah. <laughs> so one thing that I have a question, because it kind of went in a different direction than what I envision about you know, <laughs> gadgets and stuff. I mean, we're talking about some serious stuff, but. Diana, I'm going to go back to your revelation and about a connected world. At that point, we were connected, as we say, by a phone line. Uh, you know, sometimes we're working, sometimes wasn't. It was all about having the actual wire, uh, the TV. You kind of know how it works, even if it was called the magic box or something like that. But maybe these being connected, the, the, the internet, the internet of things and, and the connecting the world, wasn't maybe the biggest the social change, let's say, that technology brought to our, to our society. I'd like to have your opinion on, on this. Like, is it more the object or, or the media that is making us who we are now? I've always thought it was about being connected. I mean, when I got on the DARPA net in the 70s, that's what wowed me. I mean, the technology was definitely very cool. And obviously I cared a lot about the technology, but the the really deep in my like bones excitement was I could talk to people that were in the UK. UK. I was on the East Coast of the US. I could talk to people in California. And in the late 70s, that was just cost prohibitive. There was You couldn't do that any other way. So to bring and then get these ideas and well, what are you working on? what are you doing and it was just it blew me away because we were at that time it was you know letters it took a long time and, and the phone was really expensive and when you got out of your calling circle um so yeah i think i think it's all about connection ultimately and the technology is amazingly cool as chris has been talking about but it's i think what really is is why we we use it and why it's it's thrived is the connection well i want everybody else to jump in on this too. yeah, yeah, I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm gonna throw a, a spanner in the works here so for me it'd be yes i appreciate the connectivity but i think it's the experience that i might get from the connectivity but also just from using the device or using the technology or or seeing what it produces kind of to your to your point marco right that experience of plugging in that radio and it warming up to the point where you get to enjoy it and scott the the your your synthesizer it, it produces and gives you an experience that you're not able to reproduce with other things. So I'm wondering who else has different perspectives on what, what do we, what, what makes those things of yesteryear nostalgic to us? I'm going to add to Diane's. I think Diana hit it right. I mean, she hit it perfectly. So perfect example, Limor, the ability to actually connect with somebody who's not in the same country, who's I, I would never have connected with probably in a normal daily everyday regular life the ability to actually hang out with people in 20 30 40 different countries in one system you know and i love it for, for good or for bad like between linkedin whatsapp and signal and stuff i can talk to people all over the world and i can share thoughts and share ideas i can expand what i see of the world and take on everybody else's idea i, I and to me that to Diana's point, the ability now to from from going to be able to do that, uh, I I I can't think of a better way of explaining it. it. It's just so amazing to be able to do that. 
Cody, what do you think? Well, uh, as Sean was describing, you know, what, what I kind of missed of yesteryear, I was thinking through um, what I used to like about technology and, and I don't get to experience this anymore. And it, it reminds me of some sayings, but it was, you know, back then it took effort to get things to work. <laughs> and, and so when you finally got something to work, you felt this tremendous sense of accomplishment and investment of time with, uh, with whatever it was. And now you can just buy a product and turn it on and it does everything you want it to do. And so, you know, like cell phones are sort of throwaway sorts of things. I still have an, I still have that stupid Epson computer in my garage. I'm not, I don't know why, but I've got it because, you know, I've, I've got some connection to the amount of time I spent on that thing, just trying to figure out how the thing works. And now with any, you know, new laptop, who cares? I'll just get a new one. I don't, I don't feel that sort of attachment. And I don't know. I don't think it's a completely nostalgic thing. I think, it, I think it's more, a lot of it is that I, I put effort into, into, into figuring out how this worked. I'm not going to get rid of it. I don't know. That's, that's sort of maybe how I feel about some of this. I love it. I think yeah. it's about being human and having that actual connection with that, that product. Lamar? Um, you know what makes me think of nostalgia when it comes to those things is back in the day when I was younger, I was one of those people who really liked to write letters. I, I do it to this day. I write letters to people and send them. Um, and when the internet came around, it started being like you're actually doing the same thing, but it's all that much easier and expanded. And it's funny, but to this day, sometimes when I get an email from someone I really care about, I still get that feeling of like that, you know, getting a letter in the, in the, in the, in the mail. I don't know. It's just to me that that was very special that when it started becoming a way to, uh, to talk to people. And for a very long time, I used to uh, live abroad and away from my family. So my family lived in Israel and I lived in Canada, which was pretty, you know, far away. In the beginning, it wasn't that evident for everybody to have, you know, access to computers and internet all the time. I most of the time had it at work um, or at school or whatever. And um, I used to still send letters. I'd send letters and send stuff until, you know, slowly and surely it, it started taking off where it became a consistent thing that you could communicate with your loved ones uh, a lot more easily and within, you know, instead of a letter taking a few days or a week to get to the destination, get it instantly. So that was, you know, always reminds me of that period of how things started to really change. Well, yeah. I feel that way about what, what Dana said at the beginning. I think we've all hit on the same theme, Dana, which is it, it's, it is about that connection, right? So even for, as a gamer in early 90s for me or mid 90s, I only gravitated towards the games where it was multi, multiplayer. As soon as that became a thing, I never mm -hmm. went back to a single, I couldn't stand doing anything. And a lot of my friends did, but I had to do a game where I could chat with somebody and, and interact with another human being. I did not care about defeating a developer anymore at that period. Mm -hmm. I, my, my imagination was no longer to go back to uh, cyber, whatever that game was, where it's like you're driving on a road, uh, at, you know, and it's pre-scripted. I, I could not do it again because I experienced mm. a connection with a human being. I was like, this is amazing. I could game. <laughs> yeah, that, that was actually something that I don't, I don't play many game anymore. I mean, sometimes just on the arcade or whatever on, on the Apple thing, but EverQuest, 
was the game that blew my mind because of that reason. And I was literally addicted to that shit. I mean, I was not sleeping. It was like living in another world, interacting with people. And I said to myself, I got to stop this because I'm not working anymore. I mean, I'm becoming addicted to this thing. But that was amazing. You would either get married or divorced because of that game. But you know what? God, if, yeah. if you if you think about it, so I, I'm going to try to connect the two things. So on one side, it's wonderful to be connected really fast. You know, there's the internet. I can reach. I can be here right now and talk. On the other side, we're we're human. We we need this interaction, and we've seen it even more now with the with the lack of it, physical interaction, and. In EverQuest, it's kind of funny because you were using that medium, but we were doing very human things. You were building things. You were exchanging money. You were going on a quest together with others, and you were sorting out the different characters and the different skills. And so it's kind of like, I feel like we need both at this point. Let's not forget the the cool stuff that we build, that we learn, and and uh, and let's use technology when it's needed. But Let's still send a letter. My, I mean, I, I love that. Is there a danger too to this? Because I mean, COVID is a is an outlier. Let's hope, or maybe it's forever. Who knows? But I guess what I'm saying is, like, my dad lost his sense of taste and smell during this thing, right? Completely three three months ago now. He's is not coming back. The doctor says, right? But what I noticed about my dad, he's been super depressed and very lonely. Even though he lives with my mom still, luckily, um, I, I feel like. When we're here with this, we're missing like the olfactory uh, and also kinetic touch, whatever you what's that word for affection or whatever touch with with our with our friends. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. way different at DEF CON yeah. versus like virtual DEF CON, isn't it? <laughs> like this, yep. this last year was really weird. <laughs> it's like you're there, but you weren't. I hope we don't all go into our like, like our virtual bubbles as a result of like the pandemic and um um but but we might be forced to, but I guess what I'm saying is like there's a, there's a danger to like our minds being so focused on what we see and hear only versus kinetic and, and, and pheromones and, and, and affection and all the stuff, the other stuff that makes us human. Right. All the augmented reality, virtual reality, and, and all the, the tactile that they're trying to develop now into not only gaming, but also like in kind of, teleporting yourself with your avatar somewhere. And I'm sure Chris is going to have something to say about this, but I'm <laughs> like, do we, do we, do we, should we draw a, a line here or, or is, this is just the future and this is just the way that we are, that our evolution is working as, as human beings. Yeah. And for those watching Diana's avatar, uh, had to run to another, yeah, another yeah. meeting. So she Diana's couldn't clone herself. She couldn't that, clone. So. Not in time working for this. this Still event, working but. on it. <laughs> it. It's you know it, it's tough though because I got to be honest. There there is a large part of me that actually enjoys that solitude. That actually is actually happy because I I mean it's work for me to interact physically with other people. I mean, I, you know, DEFCON, perfect example. I'll, I'll just go hide sometimes because I can't deal with other people. I just, you know, I'm out of people juice, as I like to put it. Sometimes it doesn't take long. And these last, got to be honest, these last, apart from some family stuff where it's like, fuck it, I wish I could travel. Apart from that, I've actually enjoyed not traveling. I've actually enjoyed, can't be honest, I've actually enjoyed hunkering down 
and spending more time, you know, more time tinkering with audio, more time tinkering with watches, more time, you know, looking at me as a human and going, I've, I've picked up books, you know, rather than I've got an iPad that probably has a couple of hundred books on it and I read through them and I'll do that stuff. But I've actually gone back. I've picked up watch magazines. I've actually picked up a mm. magazine and I read through the physical magazine. It's something I haven't done in years. So it's actually been for me, I've got to be honest, for me, I've kind of enjoyed lockdown to some degree. Not all of it, but I've enjoyed being able to take that step back from the physical. I mean, I'm still doing a ton of these, but being able to take that step back and actually kind of like breathe a little bit more. Mm. And Marco, this, I mean, this is kind of a precursor to another episode where we're thinking about doing based on the that article I wrote or that piece I wrote a while back where in the future we're going to look back on the things that we enjoyed that are no longer there and really really want them and when they do exist well the idea in this piece I wrote is that we'll we'll want them so badly we'll pay a premium to get yeah. them right yeah. and to your point Scott getting those tubes probably not a cheap cheap thing right but it's worth it to get that that experience and i think we're going to do a whole episode on that but i'm wondering how i don't know where you want to take this marco but the idea i think initially was do we see the next generations having the same views we do uh looking back well, on these things or is everything just going to be a wash it's all tech it's all fancy well my my uh, big so. question and i'd like to to hear you know everybody is maybe as a as a closing or for this conversation, and of course, we, we just freestyle here. But my idea was it's important to look back because in a way, not only we're able to appreciate what we have now, the technology that we have now, but we also grown up without this kind of technology, right? I mean, we can talk about a rotary phone. We can talk about a black and white TV, the radio, the synthesizer, the speakers, all of that, when the music wasn't necessarily digitalized and, and so forth. And, and I'm, my big question is for the future is if you think in 30 years from now and generation that they grew up with a smartphone, what kind of appreciation are they going to have for, for these things that are already kind of like not really tactile or enjoyable or something that, as Cody said, you, you just spend time in building these things and figuring it out? And we'll, we'll have, have the be, emotional investment. Well, we'll have to do this again in 30 years, but I don't know what you think about this. So for me, it would be discovery. So for me, the analogy is watches. Um, and Scott, I mean, audio comes into this one as well. You know, I grew up 70s, 80s. So when you think about it, early days of the Casio watches, early days of the digital Seiko watches, the quartz revolution came along not long after I started looking at the things. And blue arguably almost killed the entire mechanical watch industry, like almost killed it. Mm -hmm. remember. However, there was an appreciation for it. People took a step back. When our generation who grew up on that cusp turned around and said, hey, I'm really interested in a mechanical watch. I mean, I'm wearing a nice one now. I'm really interested in that mechanical watch. I have a bunch of others. We took that time to take that step back and look back and go, wow, what was going on then? And we learned about it. We understood it. We realized it. The audio, to me, arguably is the same thing. It's we take that time. And my hope is the next generation would do the same thing. They'd be like, okay, here's where we are. How did we get here? 
am I interested in it? And maybe some will and some won't. Some won't care, same as, this, same as where we are now. Some don't care. Some will care. And to me, I think it will still preserve that. Um, so I still think there's a plenty of hope. And I still think there's going to be people in 30 years' time who are going to look at that radio of yours and go, oh, that is beautiful, right. it's amazing, and the sound and, and, and all those things. So I think there is definitely still going to be that. Yeah, and there is people going back to to restoring record players and restoring and you know listening to cassette and stuff like yeah. that. So, who's next? Good, I was just saying, audio is a good analogy here, uh, Chris, because uh, and the, the CD player story you, you told is different than the one I told, uh, in, in in almost divergent ways. But but here's the the interesting thing I noticed just as an artist when you're producing is there are some producers that want to produce certain genres of music, for example, in the box, all digitally from get-go. And yeah. some have tried that, like I did for four years before I said, this is stupid, I'm going back to hardware. And, and what's interesting is distortion, as, as an as analogy here, an analogy, is interesting to the human ear and mind. And different types of distortion, tube versus BCA versus, you know, geranium, etc. All of these are different to the ear. And when you present a very perfect signal to, to the mind these days, it's not very interesting. Yeah. It's almost like we're, we're looking mm. for something to break up structure. The reality. Maybe yeah. it brings you back to reality, right? Imperfection, yeah. 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 Cody, how about you? Can I take a shot? Well, I think of um, Back to the Future Part Two, where they're <laughs> in, the, uh, in the 80s cafe, and then Marty McFly uh, is playing the the shooting gallery game and the kids are like oh you have to use your hands is this a baby's game it gets me <laughs> thinking uh about like devices like cell phones and things like that i don't i don't know that we're gonna have things that you carry around and touch um you know for for much longer i i, I look at my kids and you know we've got alexa all over the house and they're always just running around yelling hey play this do this whatever <laughs> and and they don't have to touch anything or carry it around or pick anything up and um I don't know. I, I I think that there there may come a time when people become nostalgic for having anything to touch <laughs> because we may be wearing it or it may just be embedded in stuff all around us. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think so, too. I think that all these devices we have now are just going to disappear into our bodies or into the environments we're in. Which scares the hell out of me. <laughs> I mean, I saw that there was this movie. I think it was the newer version of something called Blade Runner, like I don't know, yeah. one of those movies. And you know, people had like their cell phones and stuff already embedded into their hands or yeah. you know their arms and stuff in there. So I do see it as eventually becoming stuff like that. Yeah, I think I the human it's... being is. I think the human psyche is capable of evolving to a point where we don't need or value our bodies. I hate to say that. But I think mm -hmm. the human mind itself is dangerously capable of doing that. And the word dangerous is my opinion. It's not a true statement. But for somebody else, it could be nirvana. Somebody who's oh. paralyzed in a wheelchair or, or somebody who just doesn't value this, this physical experience. Or, but but there's, no, there's no really wrong or right to it if you kind of extract up to an evolutionary perspective and stare down back at a human race. We're doing weird evolutions right now, like quantum leap evolutions. And, but there's, I don't think there's any fundamental reason why our brain can't evolve to continue um, consciousness without the body at all. I have a, I <laughs> one, of my, um, one of my parting comments that I have on a number of my talks is, you know, I am looking to retire one day to an AS400 in New Zealand somewhere. 
to that <laughs> we did a podcast about that yeah. if people want to hear it yeah well, at least it's uh, reliable most of the time that's that's the whole logic at least you know when you turn it on the bloody thing should actually work for more than five minutes which is you know better than most systems unfortunately but it is that it's definitely that there is definitely a part of me that that is intrigued to see if i can get to a point i mean i'm building stuff here at the moment where i'm pulling signals out of the brain and i'm i've got a predictive engine that i'm using that now knows when i want a cup of tea it now knows when i want to drink it now knows when i want food i'm building yeah. it to replicate me that's what i'm building i'm working on that and I'm, I'm having fun doing it at some point i want it to be me um <laughs> 10, 20 years, 30 years down the line. And then I want to see it too. I'm, I'm, I've got the morbid fascination, but also that, oh shit, what the hell are we doing? <laughs> I was going to say, the interesting thing here is we, except for this last little bit, we, we didn't really talk much about security and privacy and risk that or any of that stuff, it. right? We were just, we were just living. We were love just it. living. And the other thing that I think is interesting to me is we talked about a lot of different things from different vendors from different parts of the world right, that we got to experience in, in the form of gadgets and audio and visual and all this stuff. And, uh, and Chris, your, your point where it's you defining and building that version of yourself that I think is cool. Um, the question I have is when it's, and I'm going to leave this on a really dark side, Mark, you're going to love this. If it's only a handful of organizations that define who we are, in the next 50 years and how we are to operate together and individually. That's where I get a little nervous. <laughs> uh, you're going to have a, to leave it to a big question there. And, uh, I'm, I'm happy to have another conversation and, and go totally bonkers on that. And it's, you know, what's scary about that, uh, Sean, uh, I have to say is it's not about the people in those organizations or their CEOs. There's decisions that are bad that they make all the time, but that's not it. The scary thing is that this is all, in, in motion, regardless of who the personalities are involved at this, the, 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 it's algorithmically driven, it's architected in a way that works in, with maximum efficiencies. It's there's just in time delivery aspects. There's so many reasons why you can't, there's no way to unfuck that. Like we're going there, whether we six, seven people have an opinion about it or not. Yep. Um, and it's not about the personalities in those organizations. You know, it's not like big evil corporation persona. It's, it's, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm reading a book right now that is called The Future is Faster Than You Think. And it's all about convergence of technology that allow, it's not just one technology that allow cars flying, but it's the convergence of many of those. And it's, and you know, you can always see the, the dystopia of it and you can always see the utopia. So I'm always bouncing between, oh, that's cool. I'm like, oh, that's scary as shit. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with that cool. in mind, yeah, the, the crazy, the crazy thing, and we'll have many, many more conversation about this. So, Sean, yep, is that well, dark enough for you? Or? That's dark enough. I think we'll, right. we'll, we'll leave it that nice shade of black gray. Yeah, <laughs> it's, and, it's what uh, we make of it. Yep, pleased that we that we have an opportunity to have another conversation. Uh, we certainly will. And we want to talk about the uh, the, the future and then. The, the additional nostalgic view of, of the future. How much will we want yesteryear? So I'm looking forward to that one. Awesome. The more Cody, Shaggy, Chris, and uh, Diana who left. Uh, really cool yeah, to have y'all on as always. Any more conversation? Yep. 
Thank always you. nice Thank to you. count on on very smart friends that are willing to sit down and and think deep about what could be and what it was and how we're human in this technological world. Thank you very much. Um, All right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, guys. Have yeah, a good one. Hi, everyone. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and the story made you think, then share ITSP Magazine with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our columns. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.